Here's a story of a band not faded Who created a blah album was a week It was far from going gold and rarely covered All its reviews were bleak Then the one day when the big city and his boogie Took the throne and added their wacky touch To debate and to discuss these not quite classics That's the way that they became the blah bum bunch The blah bum bunch The blah bum bunch That's the way they became the blah bum bunch Alright, welcome to Talk is Jericho It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll and home of the brand new series here on Talk is Jericho, the Blabum Bunch. Uh, more on that coming up, but you know what we got to do first. It is the must anticipated, highly decorated, Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho, uh, my friend Joe, uh, he went on the, um, the Dolly Parton diet. Yeah, it made Jolene, Jolene, Jolene. Jolene! Thank you very much. Goodbye. That's terrible. little love for Dolly uh, from Duff. A talk is Jericho. Or Dolly's new uh, rock and roll record, Rockstar, coming out soon with 30 songs on it. I mean, my goodness, this is going to be amazing. And plus, Guns N' Roses kicking off the summer tour. Very long way from here. All the way in Abu Dhabi on June 1st. They're going to tour Europe and North America before they play the Power Trip Festival this October in Indio, California. They got Friday night with Iron Maiden. Fozzie is on the road as well with Ugly Kid Joe and Pistols at Dawn. We're in Dallas tonight, May 12th. Then we hit Oklahoma City tomorrow night, May 13th. We're in Kansas City, Missouri on Monday the 15th. There's going to be some big shows there. We're also rocking Green Bay, Indianapolis, St. Charles, Illinois, uh, Turtle Bay, Atlanta, Tampa, Destin, Fort Myers, we're all over the place. So many great cities and venues. Before we close it out, like I said, June 5th in Destin, Florida. Full list of tour dates and all ticket information is at FozzyRock.com. We're doing the amazing VIP meet and greet, one of the best in the biz. We hang out with you, take pictures, sign autographs, shake your hand, play a private show just for you. we got a few spots available. Hit up FozzyRock.com. We'll see you on the road all the way up until June 5th. All right, today's show. Here's a story. Of a band not faded Who created a blah album most a week It was far from going gold And rarely covered All its reviews were bleak Then the one day when the big city and his boogie Took the throne and added their wacky touch To debate and to discuss these not quite classics That's the way that they became the blah bum bunch The blah bum bunch The blah bum bunch that's the way they became the Blah-Bum Bunch. So if that didn't give it away, Corey Taylor returns to talk as Jericho, along with his guitar player, Zach Throne, so we can break down one of the most critically panned albums of all time from one of our all-time favorite bands. Of course, we're doing a track-by-track deep-dive analysis on... Kiss's 1981 concept album, Music from the Elder. Uh, this is the first Kiss record to feature drummer Eric Carr. It was the last one to feature Ace Fraley. Super producer Bob Ezrin returned to produce this. Lou Reed did some songwriting as well. It was supposed to be a concept album. You can laugh. Uh, well, we laugh <laughs> the entire way through the show, as you're about to hear. Corey, Zach, and I have so many stories about the making of the record, the songs, the lyrics, the playing, that infamous Solid Gold TV appearance where Gene Simmons cries. 
You can find it on YouTube. We have lots of theories and explanations for what went so wrong with The Elder. And pay attention because Corey's also dropping some info on his upcoming solo album, CMFT2. Coming out later this year, his new single, Beyond, which is out any day now. It's a deep dive into Kiss, music from The Elder, and the Blabumbunts, where we are going to be dissecting some mediocre albums by some very, very great bands. And this is one of them, Kiss, music from The Elder. Right here, right now on Talk is Jericho. We want to do a little number for you now. Well, let's see. The first single is going to come out in May. We're hoping to get the album out in September. So it's being mixed right now. Dude. As we speak. Killer, dude. It's really good. Yeah, dude. Well, there you go. We were at, The show has already started. I'm already recording. So this is for your, your next solo record. Obviously, Zach Throne is a big part of that. And, of course, with uh, Big City, Corey, and Taylor here. Big City! <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we're going to be talking about one of the most critically panned records of all time. But hopefully, your new record will not be critically panned. Uh, this <laughs> The second CMFT album. That's right. Tell us a little about it. You said it's it's just amazing and it's going to be rad. And we'll- yeah, I mean, I've been bigging it up all over the place, man. It's called CMF Two, and it is God, Zach. How do I even describe it? It's just <sighs> it's an expansion. It's not just an expansion of the first one because it, it I, to me it eats the first one alive, man. Like it's mm, agree. It's whereas the first album was kind of where I was coming from. Yeah, this album is very much where we're going. So mm, yep. it incorporates elements from both of my prior engagements, as it were. Uh, so there's hints of Slipknot, hints of Stone Sour. There's hints of the acoustic stuff that I've done in the past. And there's hints of everything that we did on CMFT. So it's a more modern sounding album. It's darker. Way darker. It's it's heavier in ways, but it's still got all the melody. It's got some of the best guitar playing I've ever heard in these weirdos. And of course, you know, Zach Throne's here to sex it up. Yeah. You know, I mean, because that's what he does. I mean, I bring mm, the sexy back. He brings the sexy back. Take it to the chorus. That's what he does. I don't know where it went, but I brought it back. <laughs> it's been the missing piece of the Corey Taylor puzzle for years. Just a, a distinct lack of sexiness. Really? Yeah, has, totally. to <laughs> it took me a while to find it, damn it. But it's interesting because I think the first CMFT came out during the pandemic, right? Yeah. Right. So you couldn't really tour on it. Yeah. I think it was like the perfect time to release it, too, because, you know, we were kind of dabbling with it and going kind of back and forth on whether or not we wanted to, to do it. And then we were like, you know what? As long as we do this on the low and do it safe and do it right, mm-hmm. you know, let's just go for it. And we had so much fun doing it that coming around this time around, we knew exactly how we wanted to do it. Yeah. The excitement is palpable for this album too. Like just, I mean, just from the fans base, because, you know, we toured a little bit, but you know, a lot of people didn't yeah. see it. So everybody's really stoked this time around to, to kind of get a little taste of the the Zach Throne sexness, you know? (laughs) Well, I think Zach is one of the uh, most underrated musicians in America, for sure. Agreed. And, you know, much like my partner, Rich Ward, getting a chance to really show your stuff now with Corey. Much too kind. And obviously with with the Bruce Kulik band, which is where I was introduced to you and all the work you've done with them. So 
right. you really are getting a chance to get the spotlight now. You're an overnight sensation 37 years into your career. Yeah, exactly. Right. Totally. It was a very long overnight. <laughs> it has. Yeah. It's been a long night. So the record or a single comes out in May and the record comes out in September. That's what you're saying? Correct. Yeah. yeah. We're shooting. We're mixing it right now. Speaking of sex, I mean, we're going to have to take uh, band photos here in about a week. So, oh, shit. Uh, yeah. On the spinach diet, trying to lose that last <laughs> Yes. Yeah. I, I chose I chose the broccoli diet, though, you know, just to give it a little variety. Put back all the way at the end of the band shot. We're like, you know what? You go do your solos first, and then we'll fly you in. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. They've, they've, got, they've got filters for that sort of thing nowadays, Corey. <laughs> Thank God. You could do the Ann Wilson and just stretch the video like they did for uh, These Dreams. Oh. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> so let's talk about, like we said, one of the uh, most critically panned, but also one of the most interesting albums, in my opinion, ever from Kiss, who were all giant Kiss fans. And I, actually, this idea came when I saw Corey in the studio wearing an elder T-shirt, which might be the first elder T-shirt I've ever seen, ever. <laughs> but And it's probably the second because huge actually not only owned one but got me i was just like you're a maniac dude because that's right i punish these guys with the elder all the time just out of nowhere i'll just yeah. send bits of the fanfare you know just play it <laughs> oh my god we were checking into a hotel in the uk <laughs> at like two in the morning <laughs> we're so confused why there were all these people there to check in this late and I have my phone in my pocket. I start on fanfare, and I'm like leaned over the counter, going, "Yeah, uh, this, this here, this." And all of a sudden, in the background, you hear and these guys is dying, and I'm like, "Somebody coming in? Like, what's happening?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, it was when when Unmasked said, "We will be the lowest selling Kiss album." The elder said, hold my beer. Let's put it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Hold, yeah. Hold my goblet. I'm fascinated by this album. I listen to it every day, and he can attest to it. Wow, I, I can. It. I study it like the Subpruder film, dude. Like, I'm <laughs> trying to figure out where they were going, like, what they were thinking. Like, it's just, you talked about looking at the original issue and the way yeah. it was pulled out because the way it's sequenced now makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, it's like, no, there's no story. <laughs> like you're no, what? Huh? Yeah. What? I, I mean, it's so weird and yet so beautiful that I can't stop listening to it, dude. Zach, what do you think? Yeah, he went over it. He went over it like bar by bar when we were in England. I mean, any any opportunity to play the elder and like rewind it and just examine one bar <laughs> of Odyssey and then figure out, you know, how did they get from here to here? Like, yeah, it was yeah. just to give a little background for, for, for those who might not know. So Kiss, obviously the biggest rock band in the 70s. As is every time you guys went through it with Slipknot, I'm sure when the decade changes, there's a little bit of a, sw a switch in musical tastes and styles. Right. And like Corey mentioned, they put out Unmasked, which is a pure pop record. And it's not pop like Cheap Trick pop or Loverboy pop. It's early right. 80s Stephen Bishop pop. Weird. <laughs> if you no like pina coladas. And... <laughs> so then they decided they wanted to come back and really make a statement 
uh, and make a, a, a new heavy record, a rock and roll record. And they bring in Bob Ezrin, who produced possibly their greatest album, Destroyer. And then yep, right. about 10 years later, produced possibly their other greatest studio album, Revenge. Right. Suddenly something switches and shifts. Now, I, I'm not sure how much of a Kiss historian you are, Zach, but it seems like you would probably know. How did the Elder become this concept record not and not the rock record they were planning on making well i think i think Corey is more informed at this point because he acquired <laughs> the book the making of the elder i read it too you read it too oh yeah. see okay so oh, of course so Corey, you did. <laughs> we are psychopaths man like for real like Th there's a chapter in the book talking about whose hand it is on the cover of the record right. holding the door yes. knocker a whole chapter yep. not one paragraph like 15 pages on this are thing. you serious yes Ugh. it's amazing you have to borrow my copy because i'm I, gonna I, borrow I, your copy that's ha like happening as all the bits that really make that make the sense i, I mean it's oh, just so ridiculous dude so Corey, tell us what you know about the history of the record this album was the first appearance of eric carr right yes peter had left he had his he had his issues then Obviously, and it's reflected in, you know, kind of musically what was going on on Unmasked. Mm -hmm. So they decided with the hiring of Eric Carr, who is an incredible drummer. I mean, yeah. even with the stigma that's attached to this album, you can hear the chop. Oh, God. Yes. Chops galore. And that's one of the reasons why it, people for the longest time didn't realize that it was Anton Fig on Dark Light because it sounds so close yeah. Eric Carr style like he's so good yeah but I think what they realized was that, that they they had leaned too far into the pop like you said when Cheap Trick sounded like Metallica compared to them I mean you know <laughs> you lean a little too close to it right Sheena Easton sounded like more Metallica than they do <laughs> the <time. laughs> just had a pentagram her forehead for God's sakes right so <laughs> they they kind of retreat a little bit and they go okay well our biggest selling album was a concept album what if we get bob back to kind of recapture that magic mm -hmm. and kind of lean into it like try to figure out this storyline that would tie these bits of music because some of this stuff had already been written and was demoed prior to the concept kind of being laid out and i'd still like some show me on the doll what the concept because i don't know there's no story here other than yeah the man child is the chosen one yeah He's taking the oath and there's an escape ah mr black well end of story i don't know <laughs> right. what's, what's happening here and then he believes in he believes in me and then that's the end of the story yeah well let, let, let me just jump in here with with the basic plot of the elder involves the recruitment and training of a young hero the boy by the council of elders who belong to the order of the rose a mysterious group dedicated to combating evil. Yeah. The boy is guided by an elderly caretaker named Morpheus. Right. The album's lyrics describe the boy's feelings during his journey and training as he overcomes his early doubts to become confident and self-assured. Uh -huh. And that's basically it. And the elder are you're, life. You're just making that up. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. There's no. And that's it. Yeah, I don't that's believe it. you. <laughs> <laughs> what you just described was a synopsis. So yeah a synopsis album like that's all this is it's like yeah. okay this is <laughs> what we're thinking about yeah but there's no end like because honestly dark light and mr blackwell are the only songs that really tie to some sort of adversary and 
it was just a pain to try and get Ace to be involved in the goddamn thing. He only oh plays on God. it. And he, hate, he hated it. He hated the idea to the point yeah. where this was the catalyst of him leaving Kiss. Right. He didn't go to Toronto to go record with the guys. He did everything in his house in Connecticut. He refused to leave. Right. So he didn't join them to like actually join in on the festivities. So he just was like, I'll do my I do my stuff here. You guys figure it out. How much I'm going to record here. You guys, you want to come down? <laughs> yeah. Come on in. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Lara! <laughs> Lara, mix my song for me. <laughs> so so yeah and that's and that, it surprises me too like you said i love what Corey just said this is the first ever and only synopsis album not a concept album yeah and you would yeah. think gene being such a comic book fan because this of course came from the mind of gene simmons right. would have a little bit more structure to this and like you said it, it kind of honestly reminds me of another great record that's a terrible concept record, which is Seven Son of a Seven Son by Iron Maiden. Yep. It's kind of a concept, but there's not really. This reminds me of that too. There's a handful of fucking amazing songs on it. Yes. Yes. But it's pulled all over the place. It's too wet. Yeah. It was missing the original edge that honestly, even somewhere in time had, which yes. was just so even with the the synths, yeah. it fucking punched. And it's one of my yeah. favorite all time but, but seventh son it went too far that way i agree but i will say it has one of their best songs ever which is the evil that men do it's one of the best oh god yeah i love it's one of my favorite maiden records records period i'm just talking from a storyline standpoint right, right, right. i remember bruce, bruce said like it's the worst concept album we have no idea what we're talking about he said you want to hear a concept record for the story operation mind crime for example right you know exactly the, yeah, the, the yeah, tommy yeah. It would be a great example yeah, of a concept yeah, yeah, record, yeah. you know? And this is a concept, and it also surprised me because Kiss loves the Who. Yeah. They love the Who. Yeah. So you would think they would have had it all figured out, but it's not. It's so jumbled and strange. Well, to do a concept record like Tommy or Quadrophenia, where you have an actual linear storyline with real characters, it, it's right. really difficult. And I didn't think that Kiss understood that. You know what this reminds me of, honestly? I, I think there's a couple of reasons why it came to be the way it was. Mm-hmm. A, everyone in Kiss was completely distracted. Gene yeah. was trying to get into acting at the time. He had a, he had a yeah. couple of movies that were coming down the pike. Also was up for a couple of different TV shows that right. he was auditioning for. And the only reason he didn't take those shows is because they didn't pay as well as Kiss. So he <laughs> kind of retreated back to, you know, he came running home with mama and yeah. that was it, you know? So yeah. it was kind of a, let's, throw everything at the wall and see what happens. Now, I think their idea of the concept album lends itself not to their love of the who, but to mm. the of the Beatles. Mm. Oh, yeah. And if you know anything about the Beatles is that they made incredible albums, mm-hmm. but their concept albums were shit. Yes. You look at Sgt. Pepper, you look at Magical Mystery Tour, like yeah. everything in the middle, they would just go, oh, let's just throw these fucking songs on. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, we're going to tell the story. Okay, and then we're just going to, this is a commercial break. <laughs> we ran out of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what this lent itself. They did those, and they were like, okay, well, we don't really need to do anything in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The good bits, you know? It's like, yeah, we're going to yeah. start and then we're going to end with this weird, you know, Morpheus, you have summoned here <laughs> to the boy, you know, like. It's uh, funny, too. I've got some uh, album titles when they were still going to call it a, make it a rock record right. that I had never heard before. And they are, 
Disguise the Limit. Oh. Disguise the Limit. That's right. actually pretty good. That's pretty good, yeah. Really good. Yeah. All American Guys, <laughs> and that's guys G-U-I-S-E. <laughs> wow. They remember Reminds me of the, the the intro music for the American males. You're <laughs> American guys, American guys, American guys. Oh. <laughs> and the other one is ear openers. These are actual uh, titles that were listed on a press release. Ear openers. So heavy. Oh. Ear openers. Uh, let's discuss the cover briefly. It's the first cover ever in history that doesn't have them on the cover, on the cover of the record. Right. I just learned that last night. Yeah. yeah. He has the logo. I mean, you have to look. Right. Good call. Weird. Was were they trying to were they trying to appeal to people that didn't like KISS? Like to hide all KISS elements. If you listen to it, it's very much leaning into the eccentricities of Led Zeppelin. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's that whole Lord of the Rings vibe that's going. It's very yeah. fair. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Obviously, KISS. They were beloved by us and respected mm-hmm. by us, the fans. But on a whole, they were kind of, you know, sectioned off and never really given their due. And right. it's funny because then, ironically, they didn't get their due until this album yeah. by Rolling Stone, Cream. Like, they they bigged it up, but everyone else yeah. was like, what the hell is so... I think maybe that's why they did it because they knew that it would never get the fair shake. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only reason people were going to pick it up is because it was from Kiss. You know, like it's right. I don't look at that album cover and go, "Oh, I need to hear that." You know, I've only done that the times. I did that with "Don't Break the Oath," "The Merciful Fate." Yeah, yeah I did first "Holy yeah. Diver." Yeah, yeah, yeah. First, like, first Maiden record. Yeah, <laughs> draw you in. You're just like, what the hell is this? That cover doesn't do it for me. Yeah. I think one of the reasons, too, is like you said, they, they were, they talk about all the time about how they became a kid's band and they lost their edge. And then it seems like an unmasked, you can even see them saying, we want to take our masks off. Right. And on their own cover, the reporter at the last blurb goes, I still say they suck. This is on their own yeah. record cover. Like, <laughs> what are you doing? The reporter should, right. you know, so I think like Corey said, they, they realized that if they put it out with Kiss on the cover, nobody would take it seriously. Right. And at the time, they really felt this was a Pink Floyd-esque type of, you know, yeah. if you want to talk about concept records, I mean, the fucking wall is probably the best of all time. Yeah. But And the wall was Bob Ezrin and it was only done the year before. So, I mean, you know. Great call. They're, yeah, they're really riding on that tale of. Yeah, that could be the reason why they went with Bob Ezrin as well, because not only yeah. did he do Story, he also did do The Wall. So the cover, once again, is just a guy, a hand about to knock on a, a door politely mm-hmm. to get into Morpheus's house, I guess. That's where he lives. <laughs> His cave, I guess. I don't know. Where, where, <laughs> His cave. Where do the rows live? Yeah, <laughs> I think he was knocking on he was knocking on Morpheus's door to ask for directions. <laughs> right, right. Like, <laughs> excuse my me, my car got stuck. Is the order of the rose home? <laughs> 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 and just because we're kiss nerds here, the the like we said in this book, there's a, a whole chapter on whose hand that is. So, uh, Bill Coin said it was a hand model. Right. Uh, somebody else said it was the guy who the carpenter who made the door, but it <laughs> definitely uh, apparently is actually Paul Stanley's hand. Exactly. Yes. All three of those could be true. Yeah. Right. He's, you know, he's done some brewing for, for Folgers and everything. Yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah. We don't know. You know, I mean, he's so gifted. I mean, he could just, you know, he could be a carpenter. He could have built. That. All right. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be great. 
<laughs> so let's talk about the material here because we mentioned there there has been a remaster where they claimed that they had now put it in the proper sequence, which, like Corey said earlier, it still doesn't make any sense either way. Right. It makes less sense, actually. Like, at least yeah. the original release, it looked like, especially knowing the story, quote unquote, yeah. you can read that linear. Like, you can start on one and finish it there. But the new one, it starts with fanfare, goes immediately into Odyssey. The first four songs it's you're just sitting there going yeah what's happening like is this is anything gonna happen in any right right right. yeah crazy so they 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 start with the oath which is the record company saying like this whole thing is the shits right you know we got to put something heavy on for the people And, and, and listen if you if we were kiss fans in 1981 this came out november 10th 1981 right you would put that on and go all right they're back yeah, you know this is pretty damn good. It's 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 a great rock riff. Paul sings great. Yep, like you said, Eric Carr's drums are crushing. Yep, one hundred percent. And and you're hearing them in a way that you've never really heard them before. Yeah, to me, the heaviest that they had ever gotten was stuff like Love Gun. Yeah, yeah, making love that was on Destroyer was uh, you know was heavier. You know, yeah, uh, got Thunder, Detroit Rock City, very riffy. You know, yeah, get to the oath. That's when they're really leaning into the riff. Yeah. The thing, the only thing that throws me off on the oath is when Paul leans into the falsetto because you know he can hit those notes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but that's honestly, and that's nitpicking because that song is actually really, really good. It's it's on one of my cardio playlists. And so I put it on. (laughs) Not the end of the thought I have forged. Now, Zach, you said, you know, uh, you mentioned something to the other day about who uh, helped co-write this song. Yes. An interesting an interesting tidbit I found out just last night is there's a songwriter named Tony Powers from New York who wrote Odyssey by himself like a year before The Elder. And Paul happened to hear it somehow and uh, contacted him and said, you know, listen, we're doing this concept record. Would you be interested in pitching in and writing some songs? And Tony's like, sure, I'm not doing anything. So he co-wrote The Oath and he co-wrote one other tune on the record. But Odyssey is his tune. He actually made a video for it right. with a lot of like Lois Childs and all these other actors are in it. <laughs> Post Elder, too, that they, they put it out. Like, yes. it was, yeah, it was out and it was like he had a bunch of actors in it. Turns out that Tony Powers in his alternate life, played Jimmy two times in the movie Goodfellas. Right. Oh, wow. Where he pops up in the middle of Goodfellas. He goes, I'm going to go get the papers, get the papers. Get the papers. (laughs) And I was like, that's the guy that wrote Odyssey. (laughs) Well, a lot of people don't realize that Lou Reed helped write a lot of the lyrics for the stuff King Simmons came up with. That's right. right. And you want to hear something interesting, go find the version of Only You that Doro recorded for one oh of her- i forgot about that gene simmons produced one of doro's out al- like solo albums and the original version of only you before he reworked it wow oh which really only the only you bit you know and kind of reworked the different lyrics there's no man child mentioned but <laughs> no man child i'm not listening to it. <laughs> 
couple <laughs> steps higher, like she's hitting it hard. And you're wow, this is uh, this is crazy. Damn, Doro, Doro's got one of the best, like, uh, motivationally happy voice. I'm just here. I just did only you by Chief Simmons. It's so excited <laughs> right. to, to do this. So yeah. you have to hear it. Like every time yeah. she's on Instagram, I just listen. Just want to go run through a wall. Go Doro. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. She's thrilled to do anything. It's like it's awesome. She's so sweet. So the oath then goes into, like Corey said, fanfare, right. uh, which is this little instrumental. And once again, maybe that makes sense a little bit more at the beginning of the record. It definitely doesn't make sense after the oath because it's bow, bow, bow. And then here we like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Well, I hazard to say it would make more sense to have done fanfare first. Yes. Right. Then to go to, because then you've got like this, if you were going to play it live. Yeah. Yeah. Little. The musical thing that you could use as an intro and then yeah. you come out of the gate with bash in them. Yeah. Exactly. Like But that's not the case. The remastered it if the, the one, two, three punch is fanfare, yeah. just a boy and Odyssey. I mean no one's gonna make it through that. Yeah. Slowest start to any kiss <laughs> yeah, album. Terrible. Yeah. Dude, like even yeah. that had forever on it. Like I was just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know, and then we get into Just a Boy, mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Corey, tell us what you, why you're laughing. And I'm laughing for the same reason. Because it's the lyrics for this song. It's like, and I God love them. Like, they were really trying hard. But it's yeah. just like, when they hit it, it's just like, when I'm just a boy. <laughs> boy <laughs> like, I, it's, when I hear it, I yeah. don't hear kiss i yeah. see crazy broadway shit that just comes out of nowhere where you're just like uh well here's here's the part that makes me laugh though when you sang that part which is paul's falsetto and then you get this epic like gong, gong, gong. yeah 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 <laughs> and i think this the pomposity if that's even a word the pomp the pomposity we were just oh absolutely they're showing in this it's just like oh my god this is f- slash brutal slash the greatest thing ever yeah 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 it's a little bit of both it's kind of like they enter into like godspell or some like broadway musical production (laughs) but but the thing i love about it is like you know they 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 kind of mock it now and bag on it now but imagine once again them in the studio like they're making this they're not thinking this is bad they're making this going this yeah this is the shit ezra you nailed it (laughs) how did we pronounce it we were like paul this is Gene Simmons from <laughs> Kiss, a new album, music from Elda. I don't think people are going to be ready for it. <laughs> you can hear them talking about it, man. Oh, yeah. We're taking this all the way to Broadway and then cinema. It's going to be a masterpiece. That's what I was talking about. I am convinced, convinced that there is an elder movie somewhere. Oh, that was the idea. He wanted to do a movie on this, didn't he? It wasn't that part of the plan. Totally. And I said, it's probably loaded with seventies character. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like people like that, like just like, like in robes and everybody's just like, what are we doing again? Ah." You know, basically, Everyone that couldn't get into Phantom of the Amusement Park. <laughs> I mean, I just, I just, I could see it. I was like, this is, and it's probably in a vault somewhere. I'm sure, and, I'm, dude, I'm sure there's, there's a press announcement. It's like, Gavin McCloud is Morpheus. Yeah, right. <laughs> 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 Jimmy, Jimmy McNichol as the boy. As the boy. 
<laughs> another uh, thing that another tidbit I wanted to bring up is that Bob Ezrin doesn't uh, really remember a lot of making this record because he said he was so high on cocaine. Yeah, for the yeah. whole uh, the whole recording. Like so, th- so there's that. Yeah, <laughs> you can hear it on this album. <laughs> yeah, everything sounds not good. Not good. Yeah. I mean, it spent, cocaine smells really good. Yeah, yeah, it really does. I tried to smell as much as I could. Yeah, it has a wonderful <laughs> aroma. You know? It really, really does. <laughs> It really it's, does. It's it's really good when you mix it in your Folgers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we move over to Dark Light, which we discussed a little bit earlier. It's Ace's basically only appearance on the record. He might have played a few guitars here and there. It's his only vocal, and it's a song written uh, not with just with Ace and Gene, but with Anton Fig yeah. and Lou Reed. Yes. Which is quite interesting. I'm still figure out what the hell's going on. It's the happiest dark song I've ever yes. heard. Yeah. I've never heard a song that is supposed to be about impending doom. <laughs> I'm just like, what in the hell is, what am I hearing? Like, yeah. it's just crazy. Well, and also too, it's because of Ace's voice. Yeah. When he's trying to be foreboding, you know, cause there's something wrong and you don't know what it is. It's like, yeah. watch out. It is not yeah. a man, Gamara. Like, it's just like. <laughs> this is part of the malevolent order. Yeah, yeah, malevolent order. How many times do you think, how many takes do you think it took Ace to be able to pronounce the word malevolent properly? <laughs> That's why they cut it in and it's not on beat. It's like, just say it in your own time. Yeah, All right. Yeah. Malevolent. Malevolent. What is a malevolent order? What am I ordering? Of the magnificent order. What, it's not yeah. magnificent. <laughs> Did you guys see when he uh, he played it for the first time ever on the Kiss Cruise? You might have even been on board, Zach, a few years ago. I might have, yeah. And the best part was he literally had the lyrics taped to the fucking floor on the stage. And he's just reading it. And he, he already sounds like he's reading when he's singing anyways. Yes, but this right. was like Corey just said, completely out of time. And then he's like, I, I can't even know what this means. And like he basically, <laughs> like he just, people have been waiting for 30 Four, five right. years for this song and he just can tanked it you can tell he didn't rehearse it or i'm like come on dude you had one job yeah sounds like par for the course yeah i mean <laughs> i've played all those shows with him you're probably very aware of that i don't even know what this means <laughs> i wrote this song on a big bag of yeah. cocaine that's what he said in front of torpedo girl he goes ah, okay this next song i wrote on a big bag of cocaine <laughs> <laughs> I said to him uh, on talk is Jericho, Ace, who is the torpedo girl? He's like, there's a lot of torpedo girls, especially in New York. Yeah. He thought that was hilarious. And I was like, all right, yeah. whatever a torpedo girl is, especially in New York. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay, now we get into what I consider, besides the oath, uh, the two best songs on the record for me. Uh, Only You, which we discussed that Doro did, yep. which is a Simmons tune. That song is pretty great. Like, it's a, it's a great prog rock song. Yeah, I agree. I love the fact that the melody from Just a Boy comes back for a second. Yes. Yes, I do too. That's very Tommy. Yes. They reprise the introduction and the outro, the overture. Yeah, the reprise, right? Yeah, the uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the reprise, yeah. It's a concept album. It's like yes. these recurring themes kind of come back. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, so this is actually, this harkens to something, this ties to something, but then you really don't get that again, which is crazy. Right, yeah, that's the only time they did that. Right. The whole record. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and uh, I, I like how it's got, uh, you know, it starts off a little bit slower, then it's got that really heavy, yeah, yeah, you know, it's great. It really does take you to a lot of different places, which, like I said, this is one of those tunes, if if they busted that out on the Kiss Cruise, people would lose their oh, hell yeah. effing minds on that one. Because it's so epically, too, like that. Yeah. 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 It's so great. Yeah, and like you said, Paul's lines come in there. So any 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 Kiss song where Paul and Gene sing on the same tune makes makes me happy. Uh, then the other other uh, tune that I really dig is "Under the Rose," written by Gene and Eric Carr with a rare yeah. songwriting credit. The few times that Eric actually wrote music, yeah, and it's which is crazy because if you were thinking about it, that would not be the song. That you would go, you know what? This sounds like a drummer wrote it. It's yeah. very vibey. The yeah. guitar playing on it is super cool. And the solo is rad, too. I agree. Solo's awesome. I think that's Paul with a delay. Oh, yeah, because it says that Ace played bass right. on Under the Rose, yeah. Dark Light, and The Oath. Yeah. And Gene played rhythm guitar on Only You. It doesn't yep. give us an actual... Who did, oh, so who do you think did the solo on that? I say Paul. Uh, yeah, on, on Under the Rose, I think it was Paul because it's just... Yeah. His solos were always just so, I don't want to say simple, but they get, they told the story really well. I mean, look at the solo that he did on uh, Sure Knows Something. Like, yeah. it's just so yeah. beautiful, and it just gets to the point right away. His little solo in Black Diamond is like that. Yeah. Paul, Paul is like, uh, like James Hetfield. He doesn't do a lot of solos, but the ones he does are very memorable. A hundred percent. And they, you yeah. can hum every one of them, and he, he always picks great note choices. All of his solos are great. Yeah. And once again, it actually had I, also those two songs in a row had some storyline to it where you could fit. Okay. I, I'm starting to understand what this concept is. And then we go to another. Now pe people are into it a little bit more because they did it on, on Unplugged. But when this came out, oh my gosh, A World Without Heroes. Right. Another tune written with, with, with uh, Lou Reed. I remember yeah. howling <laughs> at how bad this song was when I was a kid. <laughs> not only that but then you realize it's like wait a minute shared did a cover of this yeah like if you want to appreciate the gene simmons cover you listen to share version which is just like oh <laughs> did anybody see that on solid gold that's that what was to say zach tell me about your memories of the solid gold i watched it on solid gold i was so i was i was pretty out of kiss at the time but i was you know respectful because they're family so i was keeping tabs on them and i hadn't heard the elder yet but they said, you know, tonight we're going to premiere the new video from Kiss is The Elder. And they played that video. <laughs> and, but I'm giving it my best shot. You know, I don't I don't I don't let go. It's you know, getting redder. You're just like, yeah, yeah. I was just like, oh, it's not getting any better, you know. And then in the end, you know, when Gene cried and oh. I just went, OK, this is what's, you know. So I vividly remember I was still in elementary school, Robert Browning Elementary School in Winnipeg, Canada. I remember going to school and everybody <laughs> talking about solid gold and Gene crying at the end. Yeah. I remember drawing mocking pictures of Gene Simmons <laughs> with the tear, like crying, like a bunch of tears. Ah, look at this. Gene Simmons is crying. And he looks so stupid with his short <laughs> hair ponytail and Paul, the giant purple headband and short hair, almost like a. Right, right, right. That was part of the, the photo shoot that they did for that album, too. <laughs> And, and Paul yes. had like the Tony Monero haircut, you know? <laughs> right. 
what is happening here? Yeah, and just the fact that he cried. I mean, here's the guy, once again, that was known for breathing fire and spitting blood. Right. And now here he is crying on solid gold, which I just remember that 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 was a big hit for Kiss to where yes. it took a while for them to dig out. And only only them taking off their makeup was allowed them. Because other than that, I remember they were done at that point in my in my school, at least. Oh, God, finished. Yeah, I agree. In the interesting in the light of day, like listening back to it now. Under the Rose and and uh, World Without Heroes actually structurally has really good melodies. I didn't really consider it at the time because I just thought this is not Kiss, this is whatever. But now that nobody cares, you listen to Under the Rose. The ver- it's in six eight time. The verse is really cool. Na, 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 na. It's really hicky, hooky, and then like and then at the end it's just got this Pink Floyd wall, you know, Under the Rose, da, 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 which is like. <laughs> Is crazy. Yeah. I love that. I I think that's awesome. You know, I think it's like, like how are they fucking playing this? Yeah. Yeah. And they like, they embraced it. And I just thought the chorus was good. And then lines are good. That riff from start to finish is different. It changes in the middle. Yes. People don't realize that. It's like, you try playing that motherfucker. It's difficult. It's really hard to play because the timing is so weird. And Gene's vocal is like, you just pure, like, his version of John Lennon and he's not being the demon. He has a really, you know, pure, sweet voice on that. And I just thought the melodies were great and the hooks were great. And I was like, okay, you know, this had some potential. Right. I was looking for a picture of, of the band to show on screen. And I found an article. There's, there's a couple things that I'm glad that I found here. Uh, first of all, uh, when Ace heard the final mix and his guitars, I guess had been edited out. He said he hurled the cassette at the wall and quit the band. I'm sure it took a while longer, but he's throwing it at the wall. Right. The other one, and I know for sure that Corey's going to love this. I, and I knew this. I'm glad that we remembered it. So they actually did start talking about being a feature film starring, this is amazing, starring Chris Makepeace. No, I heard shit. that. My I heard bodyguard. That. My bodyguard. Told you. My bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> My bodyguard and meatballs. And then yeah, it also yeah. then it also says possibly Patrick Stewart as Morpheus. That's right. He was going to play Morpheus. And also the only Kiss album to not go gold. Uh, although I'm, I'm sure that's changed now. But at, at the time, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many of us now that, and it's weird because as divisive as this album is, there are some diehard Kiss fans yeah. that this is their favorite album. It really is. Yeah, above you know destroyer above the first album which to me is damn near perfect like yeah it's crazy how into this album some people are and you're just go oh yeah it's so true what, what is the name is it uh, the weezer album pinkerton that was so that almost <laughs> drove rivers cuomo crazy but now it's kind of like the the elder of the weezer catalog yeah yeah uh and then we go to uh once again mr blackwell another lou reed Corey, who is mr blackwell obviously like who is this guy I mean, that's a good question. You know, I, I don't think we ever got an answer on it. Like, it, this is supposed to be the antagonist. Right. Listen, if we're going to assume that it's his <laughs> island, what happened that they <laughs> captured everybody? The only thing about this song that can makes me laugh like crazy, and we talked about this all the time, is the fact that Gene fell in love with that bass so he would just make sure that there was just a little something <laughs> in between. 
every line on this song. This is a I'm just like letting you, letting you know, yeah, Mr. Blackwell is still here. It's like we talked about that on the bus, man. Every time there was like a stop (laughs) where there's just a drum beat, Bean goes, Gene goes, check this out. (laughs) (laughs) The fact is like, oh. You gotta do it again. <laughs> but like you said, yeah, you can hear that the, he just loves the the sloppiness of the <laughs> taking the yeah. finger off the fret and putting it like a, a some kind of a flange and an echo. So it's like yeah. I have a theory that this album is supposed to be a mirror image of Destroy. Wow, because they. A, wanted it to be as successful as Destroyer. B, that's why a lot of the songs read the way they do. Yeah. There's the quiet one, which would be the Beth. There's this one, which would be the God of Thunder. There's the rock ones that would be the Detroit Rock City, the King of the Nighttime World. Yeah. So if you look at those albums side by side, they would have like this thematically, Mm -hmm. not subject wise, but thematically, they would have this vibe, right? I can see that. Interesting. It does nearly half the pop of it this song is nowhere near as good as god of thunder and it's so it was like you like every album had its demon song and this one just never lived up to it but i will say that chorus riff is is really yeah it's really good feel that it's got a little bit of malice to it which is kind of nice you know for him I always thought that maybe Mr. Blackwell was meant to be like the the, the evil the evil one right. uh, in the story. Like he's the devil, Mr. Blackwell. Yeah, but there's no uh, there's no backstory at all. No proof of that. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. Songs in the front half, like yeah. I mean, by this you go what six songs? We're, on, we're already halfway through the second side, almost. Right. It's like, well, who gives a shit? Like, yeah. you're going to give the villain one song? What the f- Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And we've just met the villain. We don't even know right. who he is. Like, he's just appeared. We know what he doesn't like. Yeah. He just loves to sin, and yeah. he hates to win. Like, yeah, we, okay. And he's not, he's not, he's not well. That's it. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, Gene pulled the ultimate uh, flag on the play in writing lyrics where he rhymed well with Blackwell. You can't do yeah. that. <laughs> you can't rhyme. You're not well, Mr. Blackwell. It, it sucks. <laughs> I got an idea. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, we escaped from the island. And that's the other song that Ace wrote on. And I'm assuming that he played on it. Also with Eric Carr. Yeah. Eric and Ace wrote this with Bob Ezrin. Right. And you know who played bass on it? Who? Bob Ezrin. Nice. Just read that last night. That makes sense. I mean, yeah. as fragmented as the creative team was, I mean, it makes <laughs> sense. That, you know, but then again, I mean, that was kind of like it's kind of the way it was in the seventies. You know, like yeah. just yeah. get the there. You know, I mean, look at Night Moves. You know, no, that yeah. song doesn't feature any of the Silver Bullet band. Right. You told me that on tour. Well, he had written it, but he never played it for the producer. And by the time the thing mm-hmm. went home, the producer he was playing it. The producer's like, "What is that song?" Let's get some session players in. And they played it. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, it was a thing. And, you know, people talk about Alice Cooper's band playing on basically everything. So, yeah, it makes sense that you would have stuff like that. But at the same time, I mean, this is piss for Christ's sakes. You know, there's so many 
you know, the fact that nobody could even get on the same page. Right. Well, yeah. And the fact that it's, you know, Gene and Paul's baby, especially Gene, he doesn't even show up to play right. on it. That, that once again, just tells me they didn't, didn't give a shit and kind of reading through these articles that I'm seeing, they're basically all just saying that we were completely delusional. Right. Nobody would tell us no. And we thought we knew everything and we didn't, we, we know you look back on it now and realize that we just half-assed this whole thing. And right. that's the problem. Yeah. Kiss never half-assed anything. Yeah. And that's reflected in the title because I think I remember reading that they just had a list of titles, right? Disguise the limit. Yeah. Disguise the limit. Exactly. It's like, I'm going to name this. Yeah. So it's, it wasn't even written. And it's like, okay, this is what I'm going to call it. It was, all right, well, I've got this piece. Oh, what's on the list. What hasn't been taken. Okay. We'll use escape from the island. Right. Because it doesn't feel like anything. I I mean, if you're going to do escape from the island, you want something frenetic. You want something dark. You want something that's all over the place. Yeah. And really this was just a rhythm track. Yeah, exactly. And you also want a reason for an escape from the island. Nothing has happened. Like once again, the story sucks. Yeah, we, yeah, we don't know what's going on in the story. Why are they escaping, and who are they escaping from? And you know, like, has there even been a talk of of an island? Is this the first that we find that we're at, that they're even on an island? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, we were on an island. Sorry. Oh yeah, who sails the ship on a stormy sea? <laughs> we're on a boat. <laughs> like, wait a minute, what? What are you? What? Should we got to get off the island to escape? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So then talk about just half-assing it. And once again, this this one to me, even, even when I was first discovering the record, always kind of confused me. It's a concept record, once again, that Gene has written. And right near the end of it, they put a cover song, which, of course, is Odyssey, which yeah. we talked earlier was written by this Tony Powers. It seems to me they probably heard it and went, well, that'll fit. They'll put that in there. Our, our, our album's an Odyssey. So right. st- like, what the fuck is this doing here? And it's so ridiculous, oh. this song. I have no idea. Yeah. It's so orchestrate. Like, it's just so loaded with different, like, it takes you out of yes. anything that you're trying to be into and the, to get to that point in the first place. Yeah. Super weird. Yeah. It, it's a giant boom mic in the shot right. of the record. Right. Right. It's, like, <laughs> it's perfect. It's exactly what I'm getting. Oh, shit. Boom. You're what? in the frame. Your, your boom mic's in the frame. Get it what? out. What? What? Just act. Yeah, act. <laughs> but uh, uh, just to to read you some of this uh, imagery here, and obviously this guy was trying to be freaking John Lennon in, you know, Lucy in the Sky with diamonds or something. Yeah. There's a child in a sundress looking at a rainy sky. Yep. There's a place in the desert where an ocean once danced by. It's like, come on, dude. I texted you guys from Mexico. Remember that was I, me, yeah. and, me and the wife. We go, <laughs> yeah. We're in Cabo, right? We're sitting, <laughs> we're sitting on the deck. And I just uh, grabbed the phone and I text. I was like, you know what? I'm down here and I'm just uh, got my eyes closed. And you, there's a there's a girl in a sundress looking <laughs> like you fucking asshole. Like, <laughs> and the worst thing is we instantly know, right? Yeah, I know exactly what you're going through. <laughs> I went to Eli Roth's house a few years ago. And he's playing the soundtrack from Fulci's Zombie. And I said, who's more of a nerd? The fact that you're just sitting and by yourself listening to the soundtrack of Zombie or the fact that the moment I walked in, I knew it was the soundtrack of Zombie. Yeah. Who's the worst nerd there? <laughs> <laughs> That's the same with those lyrics. You kind of guys are neck and neck. <laughs> we're, uh, we're reaching the exciting conclusion of The Elder and still not exactly sure what's going on. It, it comes <laughs> yeah. to which is actually a, a pretty good kiss song, I, 
which I think if they would have played that through the 80s, people would probably really dig it. It's the one song that really kind of fits. I like this song. Previous Kiss. What do you think, Corey? Right. It's definitely got that Kiss vibe to it. Mm. Yep. And yet it feels even cheesier. Yeah. yeah. Paul's approach to the vocal is so weird. Like he, he goes into like a bebop, a blue, <laughs> like he just, you know, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What? And then <laughs> the lyric choices are so weird. This is also, and people don't realize this, this is the last song that they sing together as a duo. Interesting. I was going to say, yeah. 10 years, I think. I, I don't think they sang another one together where they tried it off until God made rock and roll for you. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And they did it on yeah. Spit, too. They did it on Spit on the Revenge record. Yeah, and Spit. This is like the return to rock and roll all night where someone takes a verse and someone takes another verse. Exactly. And, yeah. and coincidentally, what was the difference or the, the other similarity between The Elder and Revenge was they were both produced by Bob Ezrin. That's got to be an Ezrin. Like, oh, come on, guys, you got to start singing together again. Yeah. I mean, the great about Kiss is that they were such a great amalgam. There was heaviness. The songwriting was amazing. Yeah. And the fact that their voices sounded so good together. They were, oh, yeah. Yeah. They were the McCartney-Lennon of our generation, man. Like, yeah. I agree 100%. The stuff that they put together and the way they sang it together was fucking awesome. I loved it. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I remember that they uh, played this on Solid Gold. I as do well. remember or, that or, too. Or, yeah. or was it Fridays? Or one of those shows. They played it on Fridays and they did a third one. I forgot. Oh, World Without Heroes. The Oath was slamming, dude. Like The that, Oath was killer. You're just like, oh, okay. This is killing it. But they, they always did that, though. The last three records, they started the record with something kind of heavy. Like, is that you? And you're like, oh, it's going to be another great Kiss record. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then slowly but surely, it starts to like, you know, do this. And you're just like, oh, damn it. <laughs> and it's interesting, too, because there was, is this the song that apparently they did a video for? Or was it The Oath? Have you guys heard of this before? That they actually did do a video, a concept video for one of these tunes. Wow. I think they did it for I. I, yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah, nobody's seen it. It was never released, but there's actually, there's stills from it. Right. Wow. It's really shitty looking. It's like in a high school gym right. with kind of these. You remember uh, the Superman's Fortress in the first Superman where, where you saw Marlon Brando with oh, those oh, yeah. kind of light? Yeah. tube things there's like blue ice around oh yeah totally there, there is actually footage you can google it and find it as there's also a lost video of thrills in the night from the animalized record really another one that they never released yeah, dude i forgot all about that wow i didn't know that yeah and then of course it finishes off uh with finale which is just another little one minute long kind of mandolin it doesn't even get its own track on the new one <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it's cut at the end of i and it just morpheus yeah. and someone here to give testimony for the boy and he, i do <laughs> lord <laughs> i'm like what yeah who would have been so much better if the voice of chris Makepeace would have uh done that narration <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that is what led me to believe that they had actually filmed something because the sound lends itself to somebody ripping that audio off of film yes right yeah yeah it's especially the re uh reprise of fanfare is it's yes very analog and like something that they they pulled off of film that that's why i'm like I'm like, hmm, I wonder. 
if how much it would cost to get kids to give us a a special viewing of the elder you know it'd be like it's like jerry lewis's uh, the day the the clown died exactly like no one's seen it you know <laughs> well it's it's funny too because like you said, imagine it, it, it probably makes Kiss Meets the Phantom look like Gone with the Wind. Right? Yeah. Which yeah. <laughs> we would just eat that up. Dude, I love Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Amusement Oh, Park. totally. Was obsessed with it. And we still quote it, don't we? We still like, quote it every fucking day. Our child. <laughs> You're looking for someone, but it's not Kiss. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> All the Hanna-Barbera sound effects. Oh, my God. Ace as disguised as a black stuntman, yeah. like it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It is a masterpiece. Just to uh, <laughs> to kind of get some final thoughts on the elder. They never toured on this record. No, no. They lost Ace as a result, and were critically kind of at the end of the rope. They they basically had one more really great album in Creatures of the Night that nobody cared about. And then, of course, they took the, the makeup off, right. which then gave them a whole new life in the 80s. And, of course, we know what happened with Kiss now. Right. But at this point in time, it was pretty, pretty low uh, moment in history for Kiss, for sure. Yeah. It was, it was tough. It was tough to be a Kiss fan. It was tough to defend the record at the time because so many bands in 81 were – I mean, there was Iron Maiden Killers, you know, all these other yeah. things were coming out. And then you just got the new Kiss record, and you're like, uh, they can't compete. Yeah. Right. What? How are we gonna? How are we gonna reconcile this? You know. I mean, here's the thing, though. We talk about the good things that came from the elder because it kind of forced them creatively into a corner to figure out, yeah, what they needed to do to kind of rise above it. And honestly, started with the elder. You know, they knew that going to be able to go the way of unmasked. Yep. If it wasn't for the elder, we wouldn't have had Creatures of the Night, which to me, yeah. that's one of my favorite Kiss records. Barn burner, dude. It's got especially the heavy stuff, dude. Mm -hmm. When they played War Machine live, I watched them play in Portugal with Megadeth opening. Oof. And they started War Machine. Me and Tooch looked at each other like we were shitting bricks. We were like, ah! <laughs> So I think if it wasn't for the Elder, of them kind of forcing them to go, go back to the roots yeah. and to start thinking of ways, because their songwriting, dude, is unmatched no i agree right they can still write some of the best songs even some of the cheesy stuff yeah but that gets lost in the fact because of you know just how errant you know the elder was so to me you know the elder was the, really the cog that needed to be in the machine to kind of get them going definitely and now with the right kind of ears you know with the, with the ear openers <laughs> you, know, you listen to it now and you go this is fast like it really is because it's yeah. it still sounds like them. It sounds analog. It has it still has that even though it was eighty one. It still has that seventies feel to it. I definitely, you know, some of that stuff musically is really fucking cool, man. Like so, yeah. I'll defend this album to the day I die, even with all of its quirks and flaws, mm -hmm. eccentricities. There's a reason I listen to it every day. And my wife just looks at me and go, Christ, you're listening to this again. <laughs> yeah. I figured out how to trigger fanfare from my Apple phone. Dude. I'll put my phone over by her and I'll just. Tell, tell Chris what you did in England when we were touring with fanfare. I talked about yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. At, at the front desk. No, it wasn't even the front desk. Every trip we took through the night, man, it was just like fanfare root looped <laughs> seven hours. It was either the Elder or Crazy Nights. I played oh, Crazy Nights, yeah. Song, 
over and over. Another great record. Yeah. There was great video of us simultaneously trying to sync them up, but they yeah. sounded super <laughs> weird. I was just like, oh, we got to record this. This is too good. It but was fucking glorious. <laughs> driving for us in the UK, we're like on the verge of, of striking. Against yeah, 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 yeah. I have to listen to this fucking album one more time, mate. Oh, sweet yeah. fucking God. And it was, yeah, it was brilliant. The thing, the thing about the elder and, and like any band that's had f- almost 50 years of history right now, you're going to have the down periods, right? It's like listening to, to the Stones record, Dirty Work. Dirty Work. That's, yeah. that's kind of the Stones critically maligned record or whatever it may be, or mm-hmm. some of McCartney's, you know, later work or whatever. Right. There's going to be these records that don't make sense and they're not great for the overall, but it's part of what makes mm-hmm. the band amazing and legendary and classic is that they did take the chance to, to work on this record yeah whether they like it or not it's too late paul and gene the, the songs in the album belongs to us now the genie exactly model. you don't get to take it back that's right yeah we get to listen to it every day and go what the fuck was going through their heads yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of my favorite things to do yeah me too and also like years later we can also look at it for the the validity and, and like you know the merit that it actually has that we didn't see back then exactly there's so much goodness in that record, you know, that it, that kind of went overlooked, you know. I uh, asked Paul once about it, and I said, come on, dude, it's not that bad. He goes, no, you're right, it's worse. And then, <laughs> and then he sends you the, the puke emoji. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you can't do that, man. You can't release it. And like, no, it was, it's worse. It's worse than that. <laughs> Last question for you guys. What's your favorite song on the record? Oh, on that, it's got to be The Oath. Yeah. That one just, I mean, it just, like, it starts and finishes but i'd put only one on there as well or only you excuse me yeah got it's a toss-up between the oath and, and only you how about you zach i like the oath as like a traditional that's like the closest thing to a, like a traditional kiss song yeah right but i always thought that i was like an anthem it had that kind of like the whole crowd like singing along and it had this really upbeat you know i want to rock and roll and i kind of feel yeah yeah, those are like the two traditional ones. But honestly, in terms of musicality, I think that um, Under the Rose. Right. It's really melodic. It's really hooky. I love Gene's voice on it. And it's in 6-8. And it's just, I don't know. I just, I think it's really pretty. And it's got that heavy chorus. And then, dun, 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 it's like really epic. And There's a lurching yeah. feel. Yes. I could see that. I agree with all those. I, I also want to throw an honorable mention there for Dark Light. I, I love yeah aces kind of elongated i don't know how many 32 bar solo and then they put the bongo drums in there in the back or two <laughs> yeah 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 for no reason like <laughs> yeah yeah put some bongos on there yeah 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 this drums him and bongos there's no other fucking guitar or that's bass. it yeah, yeah that's it yeah yeah it's it's almost like a van halen type vibe or something i thought you know if that's totally. if that's, if that's ace's final call before he leaves it was a pretty good way to go out right yeah, definitely, right. definitely. Dudes, that was a blast. Uh, I'll never be able to hear fanfare again without thinking of you, Corey, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, trust me. As soon as I see you, I'm going to set something up so I can play it. <laughs> <It'd be great. laughs> Thanks, dudes. I'll, I'll hope to see you guys soon, and uh, we'll have to pick another album and rock it again. All right, bro. Definitely, dude. Let's do it again.